0: A few months ago, I had the opportunity to go to my daughter's school, and they invited people for career day to come and share about their jobs. And so when they sent out the email, I said, yeah, I would love to come share about my job as a pastor. They said, thanks, we'd love you to come and share. Just don't preach to our kids. And I went, yeah, of course, I'm not going to come there and you know, do an altar call. Um, so I went on the day uh, to, to go and share about my job, and they had three different classes that I was going to present to, And they gave me a half an hour for each class, so I figured I'd talk for about 10, 15 minutes and then answer questions for another 15. Once you prime the pumps, uh, usually there's plenty of questions to to be asked and answered. Um, And kids do say the darndest things. I've heard some random questions. Not this year, but the last time I went, a kid raised their hand and was like... Do they practice animal sacrifice still in your religion? And I'm like, okay, let's not quite go down that route. Um, But I've heard lots of different questions. But one of the questions that came up that you've probably heard at some time or asked yourself, or maybe you've been sharing about Jesus or Christianity and, and a person has phrased something like this back to you, goes something like this. Is the Bible just a bunch of rules? And then maybe they'll add something in like, that's meant to control the masses? Or is God all about taking away my personal freedom and just binding me up with all these rules and restrictions? Is God about taking away personal freedom and just about use following rules? And as we continue our series in the book of Colossians, this is the question Paul is answering for this church in the city of Colossae. Paul had never personally been in this church in Colossae, but he had heard about what was happening in it, and this is what he's going to answer today. We're going to be in chapter 2 of Colossians. If you want to follow along in a Bible on your smartphone, we're on the YouVersion app under events. Also, if you don't have a paper Bible and you'd love one, we have ones at the Welcome Center that we'd love to gift to you. But we're going to be in Colossians 2, starting at Verse 13 kind of overlapping from what Andrew spoke of a few weeks ago. But to better understand what Paul is writing and who he's writing to, we need to take a brief look back in history at that time and place. This book of Colossians was written about A.D. 60. So that's 25 years after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. It was written to this church in Colossae. Paul had never visited it. But also, Paul had been out planting churches and sharing Christ all across the Roman Empire. He had gone on four different mission trips where he'd seen many both Jewish background people and Gentile, non-Jewish background people, come to know Christ. And as people said yes to Jesus, they formed these churches. And as these churches formed, all different situations came up. Because what happens is you bring yourself to church. When you showed up this morning, you came with your religious background, your cultural background, your ethnic background, your family of origin background. You brought yourself to church and all of us have baggage. Maybe some of you came with little physical bags walking in today, but all of us came in bringing baggage with us. And same thing for the church at the time. They came in with all the things that had influenced them throughout their whole life. And there are things from their background, cultural, religious, social class, men and women, slaves and masters at that time, families, and on and on. And with such a diverse group of people, it's it's very normal that there be times of conflict, misunderstanding, confusion, miscommunication, and again and again a need to realign with who Jesus is versus all these other things that are happening. And as we look at this part in the Bible, we can kind of reverse engineer and say, Paul's writing these things, but why is he writing it? Because there's certain people and influences that are happening to this group of people. So before we get into today, this is going to be my whole framework. That King Jesus died for you so that you are free to live for him. That whatever your background is, whatever's happened in your life, King Jesus has died for you and he wants to set you free to live for him. Now in this church there are many different backgrounds of believers and maybe you'll be able to put yourself into some of these categories, maybe you can't relate, maybe you can, but one of the first groups are Jews and Jews would have been considered the rule followers. The history of the Jewish people goes all the way back to kind of the beginning of the book, the Bible. And you can read in the books of Moses, the first five books, how the Jewish nation began and then was given the law. They were given over 360 laws that they were told to obey. So if you are Jewish, it is normal for you to follow rules. Orthodox Jews, even to this day, follow a whole litany of rules based off of food, religious structures, festivals, days, the list can go on. These are rule followers. Some of you here today are rule followers. Some of you here today are not rule followers. Rule followers always read the manual before they start to assemble something. Rule followers, when it says 55, they go 55 miles an hour. Rule breakers might not even see that there's a speed limit. Rule followers always buckle up. Rule breakers sometimes wonder if there's even a seatbelt. Oh, I didn't know that was there. And in church, rule followers, it's not uncommon to begin to believe that following Jesus is all about crossing every T and dotting every I. And making sure that we follow every rule perfectly. That was one group in the church. Another group was the ascetics or the rigidly disciplined, kind of parallels rule followers. But these people tried to avoid indulgence, usually for religious purposes. According to the Bible background commentary of the New Testament, ascetics believed by by being rigidly disciplined and self-controlled, they would gain spiritual power and have spiritual experiences. It's like these people are trying to impress God and encounter God by these rigid, disciplined, non-indulgent lives. All of us know ascetics, those rigidly disciplined. They're great at accomplishing goals. They're great at being consistent and expecting others to do the same. But in the church... If you take that mindset and you see undisciplined people, it's easy to begin to project and think, whoa, they aren't as spiritual as me. And a third group is the Gnostics or the super spiritual. The Gnostics were considered heretical or false beliefs at the time. And what Gnostics considered was spiritual is good, physical is bad. They went as far as to say that Jesus did not physically reign did not physically come to the earth that his incarnation was only spiritual not physical so anything physical is bad only spiritual is good so i look at these as super spiritual people they look at the the body as only a vehicle for the spiritual that that this that this physical body really doesn't have any value All of us know Gnostics on some level. Maybe we wouldn't consider ourselves that, but it can be people who say flippantly, like, it doesn't matter what I do with my body. i have heaven. I got the spiritual thing to look forward to, but God has given you this vehicle, (laughs) this physical being for a purpose. How we take care of it does matter. And the physical is important. And the physical is not bad. The physical is good, just like the spiritual. But the Gnostics looked at physical bad, spiritual good. So you have Jewish rule followers, ascetic, rigidly disciplined, and super spiritual Gnostics, all informed into what is known traditionally as the Colossian heresy. You mix this whole thing together, and you get out of focus. And most of these things that you look at aren't bad. Is it bad to follow rules? No. Much good can come from following rules. Is it bad to be rigidly disciplined no is it bad to seek after spiritual things no the issue is when you begin to prioritize these things over following jesus so let's read what paul has to say about this beginning in colossians 2 verses 13 a little bit of an overlap from andrews here but you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. This is a powerful proclamation by Paul of the freedom in the cross of Jesus. That when Jesus died, he set you free from spiritual forces. He set you free from guilt, addiction, shame. Free at last, free at last. Thank God I am free at last in the cross of Christ. And my hope and prayer is that each one of us has experienced that freedom. When I encountered Christ for the first time in this way, God began this process of setting me free from addiction, shame, Guilt, condemnation. He set me free in the love and grace and mercy and beauty of following Jesus, not following rules. The cross of Christ has declared your freedom. So then we get to verse 16. And in some of your translations, it begins with the word therefore. And when you see the word therefore, you have to ask what the word therefore is there for. Because usually the word therefore is there for a certain reason. And it's therefore to tell you, because of this, what we just read, this is how you should live. Because of what we just read about the cross of Christ, here is how life should work. And so what do we read in verse 16? Verse 16. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Do you see the contrast from one paragraph to the next? We're just reading freedom, freedom in the cross of Christ. And now you're reading, hold on a second. You're trying to follow all these rules. You're in bondage to a litany of rules about eating and drinking, holy days, new moons, Sabbaths. And instead of a focus on Jesus, there is a focus on rules. So where are these rules coming from? This bondage, this condemnation, where where is it coming from? Well, it's clearly coming from people and what they've been taught along the way. And they're influencing the church in a negative manner. They're condemning people over food and drink and observance of certain days. I call these people the spiritual police. Sorry, Tim. (laughs) Tim is in the police academy right now. So I call these people the spiritual police who say that following the rules make you right with God. This is a rule keeper, a rule enforcer, potentially Orthodox Jews. The IVP commentary calls this person a spiritual umpire. They're calling people out. They walk around, they tell others how they need to live their lives and they're judgmental, critical and condemning when you don't follow the rules. All of us have met people like that. And if you haven't, you might want to look in the mirror. Tell me, how motivating is it? How motivating is it for you to be criticized? When you're told how you are failing to meet all these standards, does that motivate you? No. And let me clarify, there's a difference between correction and criticism. Correction is healthy and good. And if you're in a position where you are over somebody or overseeing somebody and they're doing something wrong, you need to correct that behavior. Or if you're being corrected, that's a good thing. Learn from it. Grow from it. But this is simply criticism and legalistic rules being placed on people. This is somebody in teaching trying to control others. And they truly believed that rules were what made them and kept them right with Jesus. The spiritual police. Spiritual police take the life out of following Jesus. This type of Christianity is Jesus plus. It's not Jesus only. It's Jesus plus rules. Jesus plus holy days. Jesus plus or minus certain food or drink. Jesus plus the Sabbath. Jesus plus is what makes you right with God. I'm a good alliance boy, and I believe in Jesus only, just like A.B. Simpson wrote that old hymn. Jesus only is my savior. Jesus only is my sanctifier, healer, coming king. Jesus only, not Jesus plus. We then go on to read in verse 18, maybe talking about the same person or group of people, these words, Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. So now on top of keeping the rules, you have to deny yourself worship angels, have these spiritual experiences. You can see the ascetic nature in there. I call these people the spiritual monks. They're kind of the the monastics. And there's so much great things about the monastic lifestyle. But what I see here is this idea is that if you get rid of desire, if you only focus on spiritual experiences, then you're going to be closer to God. You can have out-of-body experiences, you can have power encounters, visions of spiritual realms, and in the same time be completely disconnected from Jesus, the head. In our culture at this time, there's a thirst for spirituality, Everywhere you look, you see a hunger and thirst for the spiritual realm, but there's little understanding of discernment of good and evil, right and wrong, truth and error. Friends, brothers and sisters, let me remind you that scripture calls Satan the angel of light who's come to deceive those around us, and he is here to deceive us too. And if we aren't careful, if we're unaware, it's easy to go from seeking God to seeking spiritual experiences. To trying to grow closer to God, instead going and pursuing an experience, an emotion, something that just feeds yourself. It's easy to get distracted, and as Paul says, become disconnected from the head. There's been times in my life that I've been tempted to get distracted from Jesus, the head. I remember right after my brother was killed in a car accident, a girl I knew started telling me through a mutual friend that my brother Jeremy, who had been killed, was speaking to her and wanted to have a conversation with me and Jeremy and her. If you've had somebody who has been killed, kind of prematurely where you wish you could have had more conversations with them, that's a very tempting situation to enter into. Think about people you've lost. Wouldn't you love to have another conversation with that person? Wouldn't you love to sit down and have a face-to-face? So all of a sudden I'm hearing this. And I wasn't even completely on track spiritually at that time, but I, I, I sort of remembered some thing in Scripture of you know, this idea of that like once somebody died, they leave here. They're no longer just roaming around, kind of doing whatever. Scripture says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. It says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and then after that, the judgment. That when you die, you leave here. So was this my brother really speaking to her? Or maybe some other entity What I came to believe in, my theology tells me that that was not my brother, but that was probably somebody who was familiar with my brother that was just trying to get me distracted from the real purpose, who is Jesus. And so I made a decision at the time to not pursue those conversations, to not go down that route. And I look back and I don't in any way believe I made the wrong decision because God has reaffirmed and God has given me other things with regards to my brother that I know are from God. And I easily could have got distracted down this spiritual kind of rabbit trail. And like Paul said, got disconnected from the head Jesus. And I'm having all these spiritual experiences, but it's not connected to Jesus. Friends, brothers, sisters, you can have real spiritual experiences. They are real and you can be disconnected from Jesus the head. And I believe any spiritual experience that does not draw you closer to Jesus is not helpful in the long term. And when we disconnect ourselves from the head, when a church disconnects itself from the head who is Jesus, it's no longer the body of Christ. When you've decapitated Jesus... The body is no longer alive, it's no longer healthy. And in verse 19, it tells us how we get disconnected from the head Jesus. It says, sinful, proud, independent minds disconnect us from Jesus. When pride takes control of our lives, when we put ourselves at the center, when we begin to believe we know better than God for our lives, we know better than God for our church, we know better than God for this world, We might think that we hold the keys to spirituality and at the same time be completely disconnected from Jesus. And this was the thing of spiritual monks. They were having spiritual experiences but disconnected from Jesus who is the head. So we have the spiritual police, the spiritual monks. And Paul then brings us back around in verse 20 and says this. You have died with Christ And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. What Paul's saying here is you need to look up You need to see past the rules, past the experience. You need to see this greater kingdom, a kingdom of freedom that is based off of Jesus, who is the ruling head and king, a king who died for you, who has set you free, and we are supposed to die with him to the selfish, evil, sinful, spiritual practices of this world. you would think that all of us would know that following Jesus is not about rules. For some of you, you might have been following Jesus a long time. But it's easy to drift. I've heard messages like this many times, but it's easy to drift back to thinking that following Jesus is about rules instead of relationship. About spiritual experiences instead of relationship with Jesus. It's easy to drift and think that if I only deny myself If I only do these things, then Jesus is gonna be impressed instead of staying connected with Jesus, the head. Friends, there is much good that comes from following rules. There's much good in spiritual discipline. There is much good in spiritual experiences. But even if you're not disciplined, Or if you're not a rule follower, if you haven't had spiritual experiences, you can still stay connected to Jesus, the head. And ultimately, all these spiritual experiences and rules can't change the inside of any one of us. Only Jesus can reach in and change us from the inside out. Now, for some of you right now, you might be thinking, Mark, are you telling me that I can do whatever and follow Jesus? Well, I had a conversation yesterday with somebody at the market who was Hindu in background. And they told me probably three times in the conversation, you can be Hindu and do whatever you want to do and you're good. And I was like, wow. That's in stark contrast to what it says it means to follow Christ. But it's not about following rules. It's about following Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, he transforms us from the inside And then our life changes on the outside. Friends, it's not about rules. It's about relationship. And if you're wondering what it looks like to follow Jesus and you want to know some of those more specific parameters, next week we're going to talk about a resurrected life. So come back next week and you're gonna hear some of the qualities of what it means to live after you've died with Christ, what it means to live a resurrected life. It's not about following rules. It's about allowing God to transform you from the inside out. When I was asked this question by this fifth grader, is following the Bible or reading the Bible or is that book just all about rules? Here's how I answered. I said the Bible is actually a compilation of 66 different books written by 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years on three different continents in three different languages. It has apocalyptic literature about the end of times. It has poetry. It has history. It has teachings. It has letters. It has all these different things, but you take the whole of the Bible all together and sum it up, and it points towards one thing, and that is Jesus And if you open the Bible and you miss Jesus, you have missed the point of the whole book. From cover to cover, there is a crimson thread saying it is not about rules. It is about a relationship with Jesus. And let me remind you, King Jesus died for you, so you are free to live for him. And if you miss that, you have missed the point of what it means to be a Christ follower. So I simply end with these couple things to encourage you with. First, focus on relationship with Jesus, not on the rules. Focus on relationship with Jesus, not on the rules. Second, live in his freedom. Jesus has come to set you free. And if you have not experienced his freedom, my prayer is that today is the day that you will experience the freedom that Christ has to offer you. And finally, if you have experienced that in freedom, invite others to do the same. My personal experience and what I've seen with others is if Jesus has transformed your life and he's working in your life, you will naturally share that with others. If you're living in the freedom of Jesus, you will naturally talk about that with others and invite others to do the same. King Jesus has died for you so that we are free to live for him. Let's pray. God, you are such a gracious God and as we lead, read through the whole of scripture we see again and again how miserably in the old testament that the nation of Israel failed to keep the rules. But in spite of that you sent a savior and said that I will be the perfect sacrifice that you no longer will try to be made right with a holy God through rules, but simply by relationship with Jesus. And God, may we embrace a fresh and new, your call to live in a relationship with you and not be rule followers or spiritual experience seekers, but ones that seek first and foremost after you, Jesus. You have died for us, and may through your Holy Spirit, you give us the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, Amen.